Presented by AT&T. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghuman Aval, and happy Thursday, September 2nd, and this is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. This came through late last night. The Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision, declined to block Texas's law banning abortions after six weeks, a strong but not final indication that the court will soon overturn Roe v. Wade. The conservative majority cited complex, novel, legal technicalities and insists constitutionality can still be reviewed later on. Chief Justice John Roberts and the court's three liberals wrote outraged dissents describing the law as clearly unconstitutional and blasting the majority for shirking their duty. Josh Gerstein, Politico's senior legal affairs reporter, emailed us overnight with his analysis. The ruling was notable for a few things. The court's majority acknowledged that the Texas law may well be unconstitutional, saying the law's opponents had, quote, raised serious concerns about its impact on abortion rights that, for now, remain guaranteed by Roe v. Wade. Chief Justice John Roberts, who has parted company with his conservative colleagues in a series of high-profile cases, did so again over the Texas law, and sided with the liberals in declaring that the court should have prevented the novel anti-abortion measure from taking effect. All four of the dissenting justices authored dissents. Having a barrage of opinions seemed intended to signal a degree of outrage from the dissenters over the court's move. Robert's opinion was a bit more tepid than those from some of the court's Democratic appointees. As usual, the most passionate opinion came from Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who called the majority's decision stunning, the law a breathtaking act of defiance, and the situation it has engendered untenable. The ruling is unlikely to be the last word from the court on the Texas law. While abortion rights supporters think they have little chance of persuading Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, or Neil Gorsuch to act against the legislation, they still hope that either Justice Brett Kavanaugh or Justice Amy Coney Barrett might side with the law's opponents if the issue gets before them in a different legal vehicle. The next critical moment will arrive this fall when SCOTUS takes up Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban in a case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's expected to decide the fate of Roe in a ruling that would likely come next year. It's easy to forget this when we're looking at the politics of it all, but there are real-life implications playing out in Texas right now. Via the Washington Post, about 85-90% to 90 of women who obtain abortions in Texas are at least six weeks into pregnancy, meaning the law would prohibit nearly all abortions in the state. Politico's healthcare reporter Alice Miranda Olstein, who has covered abortion issues for years, tweeted Wednesday that three things are already starting to occur. Other red states are weighing copycat laws, clinics that do such procedures are seeing more surveillance of who's coming and going, and anti-abortion groups are soliciting anonymous tips about women getting abortions past the banned deadline and getting flooded with fake ones from protesters. Check out today's playbook for even more in-depth analysis of the ruling. A roundup of stories on the latest in Afghanistan. This one comes by way of Politico's Burgess Everett. Senator Tom Cotton leads Senate GOP push on Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal. Senate Republicans are pressing President Joe Biden to account for how many Americans, green card holders, and special immigrant visa applicants remain in Afghanistan after the U.S. completed its withdrawal earlier this week. A group of 26 Republicans wrote Biden on Thursday morning, requesting information by next week about who remains in Afghanistan after the frenzied evacuation effort at the end of August. In addition, the GOP senators asked similar questions about green card holders and special immigrant visa applicants 
who assisted U.S. operations in Afghanistan. From the Washington Post, for Afghan evacuees arriving to U.S., a tenuous legal status and little financial support. From the New York Times, Pentagon leaders wary of working with Taliban. From Politico, hundreds of U.S. citizens, Afghan commandos, successfully evacuated through secret CIA base. And a leak from Reuters, exclusive, before Afghan collapse, Biden pressed Ghani to change perception. You can check out all of those stories and more in today's playbook. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 9.30 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will receive the president's daily brief. At 11.30, Biden will deliver remarks about the Hurricane Ida response. At 1.45, Biden will take part in a virtual event with rabbis nationwide for the Jewish High Holidays. Press Secretary Jen Psaki will brief at 1 p.m. The White House COVID-19 response team and public health officials will brief at 3 p.m. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 3 p.m., the vice president will swear in Ken Salazar as U.S. ambassador to Mexico. At 425, Harris will meet with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh and staff on the White House task force on worker organizing and empowerment. The Senate and the House are out today. All right, that's all I've got for you today. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogu Manavalan. I'm out until Tuesday, but don't worry. You'll be in the hands of Politico's Carlos Prieto. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. The following message comes from Politico Playbook Daily Briefing sponsor, AT&T. Accessible, affordable broadband helps communities reach their American dream. For Americans like Kamal Bell, founder of Sankofa Farms, it means creating opportunities in their community and providing food security to local food deserts. That's why AT&T is making a $2 billion three-year commitment to help close the digital divide. To learn more, visit att.com slash connecting communities. What happens in the corridors of Davos? What's being whispered in the UN smoking lounge? I'm Ryan Heath, and for the better part of a decade, I've been there, reporting on the world's most powerful people. But I had a whole career before this, on the other side, working for the very people I now cover, as a spokesperson, speechwriter, and strategist. So I've seen them at their best and their worst moments. And I know what trade-offs they make because it used to be my job to make them. What's it sound like when a CEO dodges a question? And what's behind a prime minister's long pause? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Uh, We need to see what kind of government the Taliban form. Every week, starting September 15, I'll bring you close to the business leaders, regulators, innovators and lawmakers who run the world, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the UN. They'll describe their vision for shaping the world and you'll understand what that future means for you. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. So come on, subscribe to Politico's Global Insider wherever you're listening.